Welcome to the sermon webcast of Good News Lutheran Church of Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. The following sermon was preached on Sunday, June 25th, on the basis of Psalm 46. So I want to give you a little bit of an idea of what went on during soccer camp this week. As the kids showed up each morning, there would usually be about 15 to 20 minutes of light warm-up activities right there with their team. And then, and then once everybody had arrived, everybody would, would come together over at the shelter for a big group devotion and demonstration. We'd get fired up for the day of soccer and God's word that was ahead. Then out they'd go to their individual teams. They'd spend some time working on specific soccer drills. At some point, they would come in. There'd be a snack and a Bible lesson. Back out for some more soccer, maybe a scrimmage. And then we would end the day with some sort of game or activity. Then, then we were done. In other words, we really tried to keep the kids moving from one thing to the next. Out of all the things that they did, they weren't doing anything for more than 20 or 25 minutes at a time. But I also feel the need to tell you that the plan that we followed this week was actually plan B. See, when I first sat down and looked at that two-and-a-half-hour block of time spread over the course of four days and thought, what could we do to possibly fill that time? Across the whole block, I wrote in big, bold letters two simple words, sit still. 9 o'clock to 11.30, Monday through Thursday. What are we going to do with 42 kids? Sit still. Now, I don't know your kids nearly as well as you do, but I'm guessing from the grins and the smirks and the giggles, you know exactly what I concluded over the course of the three days that we ended up getting. That would have been a very bad plan, right? In fact, trying to get kids to sit still for any length of time sometimes proves to be very difficult, correct? But here's my question for all of you, really, this morning. Whether you are 8 or 18, whether you are a 30-something or maybe just slightly over that proverbial hill, whether you are still looking forward to your retirement or already enjoying it, have you gotten any better at it? Sitting still. I mean, have you gotten better at sitting still? You can maybe guess that I'm not talking about physically sitting in one place for an extended period of time. Rather, I'm talking about a stillness of mind and a stillness of heart. I'm talking about not letting things stress you out, not letting things keep you up at night, not letting things cause gray hairs to come popping out of your scalp. I'm talking about being able to walk away from the desk at the end of the workday. I'm talking about not having to check your phone for email every two minutes when you're at home. I'm talking about being able to maintain a calm and confident demeanor no matter what life might throw your way. Have you gotten better at sitting still? If you're anything like me, you'd maybe be a little bit uncomfortable answering that question in front of all these people this morning. But thankfully, there is good news. You see, the Word of God that's in front of us today that we'll be considering is all about sitting still. We're looking at these verses from Psalm 46, and maybe you're aware that the Psalms are really the Bible's songs. So we're looking at a song, and in this particular song, some of the most well-known words, you've maybe heard them before, they go like this, Be still. 
and know that I am God. Be still. If stress and anxiety sometimes overwhelm, if you struggle to keep a calm and confident demeanor in all of the challenges that life throws your way, good news, today we are looking up at a song that is all about sitting still. One thing that makes this song a little bit unique is that it's actually structured in a very similar way to the way that many modern songs are structured. There are three separate verses to the song, and then there is a refrain that comes in between a couple of them, a refrain that occurs several times. And in the opening verses of the song, verses 1 and 2, what we get is a depiction of sitting still. Here's what it looks like when a person can actually put that into practice in their life. So verse number one, God wants you to picture yourself somewhere out in the country enjoying a beautiful walk in some park or some forest, but then all of a sudden the ground beneath your feet starts shaking. And that big tall mountain that you see off in the distance gets picked up and then thrown down as if it's no different from a handful of sand in a child's sandbox. And then that beautifully serene mountain lake, the waters start churning and quickly become like a wave pool at Noah's Ark. In other words, God wants you to picture those things in your life that you think are dependable, that you think are certain, that you think no matter what will remain unmoved. Maybe for you, that's the job that you have. Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's your spouse or your children or some other loved one. God wants you to picture all of a sudden those things are picked up and thrown down, and the waters of your life start churning. But then God also wants you to picture going through that completely unfazed, completely unafraid, maintaining that calm, confident demeanor, able to handle whatever life might throw at you, even if the ground beneath your feet starts shaking. I don't know about you, but that depiction of sitting still sounds pretty nice, doesn't it? To be able to live that way. That's verse 1. Next, of course, comes verse 2. And now God wants you to picture yourself not out in the country, but actually in a city. A city that is surrounded on all sides by fighting. A city that is surrounded by people who are trying their hardest to get to the top, to climb up the corporate ladder, to make for themselves in their own little place and time their own kingdom, their own reputation, their own fortune, their own Legacy, And as you can imagine, when that is what is driving people, they tend to not play very nice with one another. So all this fighting is going on. God wants you to picture that coworker who is constantly trying to make you look bad. He wants you to picture that classmate who is constantly spreading nasty rumors about you. He wants you to picture a sibling who is competing with you for your parents' love or maybe even their inheritance. He wants you to picture entire nations fighting over the wealth and the land of the earth. All that's going around you, going on around you, and yet God also wants you to picture within that city there is perfect peace and harmony. Within the walls of that city, people are not trying to stab each other in the back. Rather, they are trying to help each other out and lift each other up. Within that city, there is perfect love and care. Again, I, I don't know about you, but that sounds, that sounds pretty nice. That's God's depiction 
of sitting still. That's what it would look like in a person's life. Were they able to put it into practice? But now it's one thing to look at that depiction and say, oh, that sure sounds nice. I'm sure you can guess it's an, another thing entirely to actually put it into practice, to be good at it. And so what we need following that depiction of sitting still is, a, is an explanation for it. Why and how can a person actually be able to do this when, when everything that God describes is going on around them? Well, that refrain in the psalm is what gives us the explanation. That refrain is what comes next after verse 2. In fact, the refrain in Psalm 46 sort of served as the theme and the refrain for our soccer camp this week. And so kids in the room, those of you who were at soccer camp, I'm going to need your help with this refrain a little bit. Are you ready? Are you ready? God is? God is? God is? Yeah, God is on our side. How can we sit still? How can we remain calm and confident when the earth beneath our feet is crumbling? The refrain tells us God is on our side. Actually, the refrain puts it this way. The Lord Almighty is with us. The Lord Almighty is with us. That short, simple refrain makes two remarkable statements. First of all, it tells us that God is almighty that he can do whatever he wants, that all power in heaven and on earth belongs to him. He is completely unbound. But secondly, it also tells us that he is with us. He is for us. He is on our side. He is using that power for our good. Now, I don't know about you, but I find the first one pretty easy to remember that God is almighty. Rarely when the ground is crumbling beneath my feet do I think to myself, boy, I'm sure God is up there trying his best to make this go differently from me, for me, but too bad he's just blowing it. Too bad he can't do better. Too bad he couldn't figure out a way to heal my grandma from the cancer that took her life. Too bad he couldn't protect my child from the bullying that she faced at school. Too bad he couldn't see the financial downturn coming that caused me to lose my job. I don't think we struggle with that one. It's easy to remember that God is almighty, that he does whatever he wants. But then that leaves the second statement up for debate. Is God really on my side? If God can do whatever he wants, then why doesn't he use that power in the way that I think he should? We go looking for evidence that God is on our side in the specific circumstances of our life. And when we don't find it, well, I don't know about you, but that's one of the toughest times for me to just sit still. Instead, I want to spring into action and I want to ask myself, what can I possibly do? What can I do to earn God's favor? What can I do to persuade God to give me his blessing? What can I do to bring God back over to my side once again? There's a couple problems with that line of thinking. First of all, if we are going to judge whether or not God is on our side based on the specific circumstances of our life, we have far too little information to be able to do that correctly. Just one teeny tiny example of how that's the case. As I mentioned before, day four of our soccer camp actually got rained out this week. 
And as I was delivering that bad news to one of the campers who had showed up on Thursday for camp, a thought occurred to me that I, I shared with him. I said, you know, this rain sure did ruin our plans for soccer camp. But do you know who it was an answer to many prayers for? The farmers who have been praying for rain and praying that their crops will grow. See, so often we evaluate whether or not God is on our side just based on looking at the circumstances that are immediately around us. God, on the other hand, is looking at the whole picture and he is using his power with much bigger, more important things on his mind than, than what so often occupy our attention. That's the first problem. The second one's actually more dangerous than that. See, if we go looking for evidence that God is on our side based on the circumstances of our life, and then when we don't find it, we spring into action and, and try and earn God's favor. If we try and win God back over to our side by our obedience, we make ourselves subject to God's perfect expectations for us. To win God onto our side would require a flawless performance on our part, a performance that none of us can possibly deliver. As we heard in that lesson from Romans, any case that we would try to make to God for why he should be on our side would come to an end very quickly because as we compare our lives to God's expectations, the only thing we realize is just how far short of them we have fallen. Thankfully, God does not need to be won over. We don't need to earn God being back on our side. And the evidence of that is not found first and foremost in the circumstances of our life. Rather, crystal clear evidence is found nowhere better than in the fact that God was willing to send his son Jesus for us. Any doubt as to whether God is on our side was put to bed. When God sent Jesus to carry our sins for us all the way to his death on the cross. What we could not possibly earn for ourselves, what we needed most from our God, forgiveness for our sins and rescue from eternal salvation, God simply provided to us, as Paul said, freely by his grace. In other words, while we were doing nothing, while we were sitting still, What's the, the explanation for why we can sit still? It's because God is on our side. And the proof is in Jesus that the Lord Almighty is with us. So you've got the depiction of sitting still. You've got the explanation for how and why it can happen in your life. It's no surprise that the psalm then ends with nothing more than an invitation. Come and see. Try it for yourself. Be still and know that the Lord is God. But what's really interesting about this psalm is that it doesn't end with that invitation. You see, because the refrain is the explanation, the refrain comes back around at the end and is repeated one more time as the closing words of the psalm, the Lord Almighty is with us. What's even more interesting than that is that in the Hebrew language, there's a little tiny word that follows the refrain that you actually don't see show up in English. The reason it doesn't show up in English is because it's not actually part of the words of this song. Most people think that it's a musical direction. It's the word sila. Maybe you've heard of it before. People aren't entirely sure exactly what it means, but most 
people seem to think that it indicates some sort of break. In other words, you're singing the words of the song, and then when you get to that marker, sila, you stop. Like I said, it, it comes after each refrain, so it would go like this. The Lord Almighty is with us. Pause. Deep breath. And then again, at the end. The Lord Almighty is with us. Pause. Deep breath. Do you see what's happening? It's working. Even as the writer of the psalm pens these words, those words are having their intended effect. He is explaining how and why we can sit still, and then as soon as he does, he does that very thing. He just sits still and lets it sink in. Friends, you might be eight, you might be 18, you might be a 30-something, you might be just slightly over that proverbial hill, you might be looking forward to retirement, you might already be enjoying it, I know that all of us struggle at times with sitting still. Which is why this isn't a song that we can just think about and talk about once and sort of check it off the list. It's not just something we can come back to every now and then. Rather, it's a song that we need to sing into our hearts over and over and over again. The Lord Almighty is with us. The Lord Almighty is with us. Kids, one more time. Can you help me out? God is. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about Good News Lutheran Church, visit www.goodnewslc.org.